1923 was disastrous for Germany. In that year, the great German inflation reached its peak. For some time, the value of the mark had been dropping. And as the value of the notes decreased, so the amount of notes needed to buy things grew. Banks became more and more hard-pressed to meet the ever-increasing demand for paper money. For their customers, suitcases replaced wallets. To meet this crisis, and pay the strikers in the Ruhr, the government simply printed more money. And as it lost its value, so it cost more and more to pay wages to buy food. Hundreds of thousands. Millions, whatever figure was printed on the notes, really meant nothing. The German mark was worthless. As in a fearful dream, people's life savings were blown away like leaves in a gale. Hello. Welcome back to the What's Happening podcast. And today, you only have me. Sorry about that. Um, if you enjoyed other guests more than me, um, just thought I was boring as fuck. But you can just turn it off um, or you can just suck it up and listen to it. Um, today, we're talking about inflation, right? Now, that news clip that I played there was from the Weimar Republic in 1923, where basically, which was the state of Germany at the time, which basically had a massive hyperinflation crisis. Now, we'll come on to hyperinflation and stuff like that later on, but the main thing I want to talk about is just inflation in general, and in particular, why the value of your Freddos, let's say, have increased over the years. We always hear people talk about and complain about how much it is to buy a Freddo. When I was a kid, Freddos, I think, were 15p. I know before that, you know, in some cases, they've been as little as 10p, maybe 5p, way before my time. And I've also heard, you know, now, I don't know, I haven't bought a Freddo in years, but, like, they're at least, they're more than 20p, I'm pretty certain. Now, the question a lot of people want to ask is why? Why is something that was valued at 5p, maybe 20 years ago, now all of a sudden valued at 20p? You know, I remember another key example was match attack cards. Um, when I was a kid, I would have bought match attack cards um, and you'd get the pack of five. And I remember going after school and then it being 30p. Whereas now, last time I checked, they're at least a pound, maybe more. Why is that? Well, the reason that is, is inflation. And what is inflation? Well, inflation is a sustained rise in the price of goods and services within a nation, right? And how is inflation measured? Well, in the United Kingdom, inflation is, me- is measured, sorry, I can't even speak, using the CPI, right? Now, the CPI is the Consumer Price Index. Basically, what that is, is a basket of, you imagine a physical basket, and in that basket, the government fires in goods and services that they believe are, like, essential to daily life. You know, so maybe the price of houses, the price of cars, food, bread, water, electrical bills, that sort of thing. And let's say over the course of the year, they look at these and they assess how much, let's say the total price of that basket is a thousand pound, right? And then let's say at the end of the year, the total price of that basket is a thousand and one pound. By that logic, the price of the basket has increased by a pound, right? And they then work out that increase to give a rate of inflation in the economy. And then that basically is the percentage rate of inflation you see in the news. You always hear, oh, inflation's at 2%, 3%, 1%. And basically what that means is Let's say inflation was 3%. If inflation was 3%, 
something that cost a pound this year would cost, on average, £1.3p next year. Obviously, not every good follows that, but it's a rough metric. Why, though? Why do, why do the prices of goods and services increase every year? And there are two main reasons for this. There's demand pull inflation and cost push. Now, we'll start with cost push inflation. What is cost push inflation? Cost push, push inflation is caused by an increase in the price of production. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when a firm builds a good or service, they have to pay for the production of that good and service. So, for example, let's say a firm building cars. The firm building those cars has to pay for the raw materials to build those cars. So the steel, the rubber, has to pay the workers to make those cars. Has to pay taxes on, you know, whatever they buy and whatever, you know, they use, right? So that's the production costs. And what happens is in that scenario is if those production costs increase, firms who are wanting to make, you know, a profit will often force those increased production costs onto the consumer in the form of higher prices. So the main causes are an increase in wages, right? Because obviously they have to pay workers, that's a production cost. An increase in the price of raw materials or commodities, such as oil, steel, that sort of thing. And another good one is taxes. Um, You know, business taxes set by the government and also the exchange rate. So if the currency of a country is devalued, and that company in that country lies heavily on imports, the price of imports go up and their production costs increase. So for example, let's say we look at Volkswagen, massive car manufacturer, and let's say the price of oil increases. Now, the price of oil could increase for numerous reasons. could be that OPEC, who control most of the world's oil supply, decide to reduce the supply of oil. By reducing the supply of oil, this forces the price of oil up because everyone still needs oil, but now that there's less oil, there's more competition for that oil, and therefore people are willing to pay a higher price to ensure that they get it. So the price of oil goes up. So in relation to Volkswagen, Volkswagen need to buy a set amount of oil every year to basically run their factories, right? And if that price of oil goes up, let's say by 2%, they still have to buy the same amount of oil. So their costs on the production side in terms of buying oil have increased by 2%. But their profits are the same. They're not selling any more cars. So what Volkswagen could do is transfer that cost of paying for the car or paying for the oil onto the consumer by increasing the price of the car by 2%. And there you, that, there you have cost pull inflation. Or cost, yeah, cost pull inflation. There you have cost pull inflation. Simple as that. So in relation to Cadbury's, who make, obviously, Freddos. Let's say the wages go up of workers. So that production side, let's say the minimum wage increases. So let's say they're employing a 1,000 workers at 20 an hour. And let's say the minimum wage goes up to £9. They're now employing a 1,000 workers at £9 an hour. They're paying a lot more, but they're still earning the same money from people buying their stuff they're not selling anymore. So to offset that increase, what Cadbury can do is increase the price of their Freddo. That's a price put on the consumer. That's an increase in the price of the Freddo. That's inflation. And that is a cost push inflation. 
That is the simplest explanation I can give. Now, there's another form of inflation. And this form of inflation is demand pull. Now, demand pull inflation is a bit more complex. So, what demand pull inflation basically is, is demand pull inflation occurs when there is too much demand in an economy. Or, in other words, demand outstrips the supply of goods and services, or there is too much money for too little goods, right? So, what do I mean by that? Well, in basic terms, demand pull inflation can be caused by a lot of things. It can be caused by good economic activity and good economic growth. So, for example, let's say the economy is doing very, very well. And because the economy is doing very, very well, there are many people employed. Everyone's employed. Everyone's earning a very good wage. Because everyone's earning a very good wage and everyone's employed, there's a lot more income. People have a lot more disposable income, so people spend a lot more money. By spending a lot more money in the economy, the demand in the economy increases. But the amount of goods and services being produced, in the short run at least, stays relatively similar. So, companies to maximise profits increase the price of their products. And that leads to inflation also. So, for example, in relation to Cadbury's, I'll do a more sort of difficult explanation in a minute, but in relation to Cadbury's, let's say wages maybe. Let's say the economy's doing very well and everyone's employed. And because everyone's got so much more disposable income, they look at the price of Freddo's and go, you know what, I don't care, I'm going to buy them. So everyone's buying Freddo's now. But the amount of Freddo's being produced is the same. Cadbury's haven't hired any more workers. You know, they're at maximum capacity. They can't produce any more. They've only maybe one factory. Do you know what I mean? They're at maximum capacity. So Cadbury's look at it and go, right, millions of people are wanting Freddo's. Millions of people are still going to want Freddos if we increase the price of them. We'll make more money that way, and we'll also still sell the same amount of Freddos. So they increase their price. And that there, in the most basic sense, is demand-push inflation, or demand-pull inflation. Demand-pull inflation can also be caused by other things. So if the government reduces the interest rate in the economy, um, people will spend more money. So if the interest rate, as it is now, because they're trying to encourage people to spend, if the interest rate is basically zero, that means... You put your money in the bank, it won't gain any money in interest over the years, right? It also means in investments, the interest you pay in borrowing money is a lot lower, so investments are less riskier. What this means is people spend more money, people invest more money in the economy. By spending and investing more money in the economy, demand increases because more people are spending their money rather than saving it. Uh, I think it was Maynard Keynes, John Maynard Keynes, who actually turned around and said, when people save their money, the economy dies. When you spend money, the economy does good. There's excess demand because everyone's wanting to buy stuff, but there's still supply is still the same in the short run. So firms increase their price to earn more money. That in and of that in essence is cost push inflate or demand pull inflation, sorry. Demand pull inflation can also be caused by government monetary policy. So monetary policy is basically how the government controls money supply. Now, increasing or decreasing the interest rate is one form of monetary policy. Another form of monetary policy is, as I just said, increasing or decreasing the money supply, i.e. how much money is in the economy. How the government does that is by buying or selling government bonds. So if the government wants to increase the money supply, what it'll do is it'll, or if the government wants to reduce the money supply, it'll issue bonds. These are basically packages that people can buy 
for a set price, let's say 100 quid, and 10 years from now, they can sell it back to the government for 150 quid. So they make a profit. So the government issues these bonds. All these people buy them, thus giving their money to the government in the short run. And that means there's less money in the economy because people have invested more in these bonds and they've less to spend. That's reducing money supply. The opposite is true for increasing money supply. So to increase money supply, they'll simply buy these bonds back. So they'll go to the company that bought the bond for 100 quid. Here, we don't want your money anymore. We'll buy that bond back off you for 150. Here's 150 quid. Go spend it in the economy. So because there's more money in the economy, more people are spending money, there's more disposable income, demand increases, supply is still fixed in the short run, firms increase their prices to make more money. And that, in essence, is demand pull inflation. Now, demand pull inflation can also be a lot more complicated. So an example I like to use is a coffee shop. So imagine Starbucks. Imagine all of a sudden... The economy's doing very, very well, and everybody just has a ridiculous craving for buying coffee, particularly Starbucks coffee. So the demand for Starbucks coffee skyrockets. In every Starbucks across the country, they're queued out the door like savage animals trying to get in to get their Starbucks coffee, right? Jill behind the till is working five 12-hour shifts in a row, hasn't seen her family and kids or anything. It's that busy, right? Now, in such a case... Starbucks looks at the situation and goes, shit, we have so much demand here, we don't have enough supply. So what they can do, instead of supply being fixed, is they can always go to their supplier and demand more supplies, demand more, I don't know, coffee beans, more staff, more restaurants, that sort of thing, right? Or coffee shops, not restaurants, you know, demand more coffee beans, more milk, you know, more cookies, whatever they sell. Now the problem is, they go to the supplier asking for more of this. The supplier, whoever it may be, looks at this and goes, you're demanding so much of this. You need this because you need to keep up with the demand from your customers because if you don't get it, you'll sell out, you'll lose a lot of money and your customers might not come back. So the supplier decides to increase the price because it knows Starbucks is that desperate for the products because of, the such, because of such a high level of demand that they'll buy it at a higher price because they'll still make more. So... Let's say the suppliers increase their price by 20%. Starbucks buys this all and then decides to set this price or to offset this increase in price from the production side back onto the consumers by a 20% increase in price. So even if supply can fluctuate, you can still have inflation in the economy. So that's the two main forms of inflation. Demand pull and cost push. And both types of inflation, have there are records of both types of inflation happening many, many times. In the 70s and 80s in the United Kingdom, you had inflation reaching roughly 25%. And this was due to the oil crisis. Basically, the supply of oil was so low that companies, the production costs for companies were so high because the price of oil that they were buying was so high that they, they had to increase the price to consumers and consumers were paying 25% more for products. That's a key example of cost push inflation. In relation to demand pull inflation, it's a bit more interesting. So, first of all, before we go any further, also note that inflation isn't that bad, right, most of the time. Governments aim for inflation to be roughly between 1% and 3% per year to signal a good economy, right? 
It's when it goes well and beyond that that you're in trouble. And it's also dangerous because if inflation, if the increase in prices of goods and services outstrips the increase in wages, then people's real purchasing power falls. So for example, let's say inflation was 8% this year. But let's say wages only increased by 4%. In such a case, your real wage has essentially fallen by 4% because prices have increased by 4% more than your wage. So it's the same as saying wages don't change, prices increase by 4%. So that's also dangerous. But when inflation is really, really dangerous is when it comes down to hyperinflation. And hyperinflation, a lot of the time, is caused by demand pull factors. Now remember, demand, demand pull factors of inflation are whenever the demand far exceeds the supply. Now one of the key causes of this is too much money in the economy. Because if there's too much money supply in the economy and there's too much money going around, people have so much money that they just want to spend it. And there's not enough supply for them to buy the stuff so the firms increase their prices to maximize profits and this can get out of hand very very quickly now one of the main reasons this can get out of hand is because money has no real intrinsic value it's called the tinkerbell effect and what it means is something is only true because we believe it and money only has value because we believe it has value right the 20 pound notes you use, the 1 pound coins you use, don't have any real value. If you were stranded in a desert island, they would have no value. If you were trying to barter for something, they would have absolutely no value, except for the fact that we give them worth through the monetary system that we use. If we, did that, if we decided to all just agree that money was worthless, it would become worthless. So what happened in the case of hyperinflation in Zimbabwe? was a case of a very, very ridiculously high demand pull inflation. So, in 2008, Robert Mugabe, who, Robert Mugabe, who was Zimbabwean president, decided that he would just print money to pay for military expenditure and you know government expenditure in general. He didn't have enough money, so he just thought, you know what, fuck it, I'll just spend money, right, on anything. Basically, you know, if the government needed things to be paid for, I'll just pay for it, right? I'll just print money and we'll be fine. Now, what happened was, was that once he printed this money, this put so much money into the monetary supply that people had so much money. And it's basically like, if you think, let's say the government of the United Kingdom decided to give everybody a, a million pound. Everybody would have a million pound. Everybody would go try and buy a sports car. There's a fixed amount of sports cars, so what happens is... These sports car companies decide to up the price ridiculous amounts because they know everyone has so much money and the price of sports car rockets. And this is exactly what happened in Zimbabwe. And the demand pool inflation got so bad that at its height in 2008, right? Now, you'll find this hard to believe, but at its height in 2008, right? Now, hyperinflation is roughly 50%. Governments would argue that a country was reaching hyperinflation if its inflation rate is 50%. In Zimbabwe, in 2008, the inflation rate was 6.56 trillion percent. Right? Now, to put that into better context, that is 6500000 000 
The rate at which prices doubled was every 24 hours. So you could go in for a pint of milk today in SuperValue and it would cost you 120. Tomorrow it would be 240. 10 days from now it would be 24 quid. You get me? Um, in fact, it would be more than that. So that's how quickly inflation, that's how quickly the prices of food and everything rose because of this hyperinflation caused by printing money and caused by demand pull inflation because there's too much demand in the economy. People have to make money. Firms have to make money so they increase price, right? Now, this led to Zimbabwe printing like $1 trillion notes, right? And it was just, they just kept printing money with higher values to try and stop this and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse, right? And people were literally going to shops with wheelbarrows of money. Um, I remember like about Nazi or about Weimar Germany, you know, in its hyperinflation crisis that people were just left a, a basket of money on a street and someone would have came along and stole the basket and left the money. That's how worthless it was. Now, a worse hyperinflation crisis was Hungary. And the, the numbers for Hungary are just ridiculous, right? So, like, it's largely seen as the worst inflation crisis in history. And at its height in 1946, prices doubled every 15 hours. Now, the inflation rate per month, that Zimbabwean number I gave was per year, right? The inflation, the monthly inflation rate at this time, right, was 41.9000000000000000, right? Now, the prices of things doubled every 15 hours. With a normal inflation rate, you're looking at prices doubling every 23 and a half years. Right? Now, the most fascinating thing about Hungary and about its inflation rate at this time was that the Hungarian currency became so worthless that if you had collected every single banknote in Hungary at that time, and counted it all up, its total value would come to the staggering amount of a tenth of a US penny. Every Now just let that sink in, right? Every single banknote in Hungary at that time, if you'd have collected every single banknote from every person, organization, company, the government itself, everything, the total value of all those banknotes would be a tenth of a US penny. I, that there, to me, is absolutely extraordinary, right? So, you know, there's always a saying that if money grew on trees, it would be as valuable as a leaf. And it, it's true. And that's the main reason why you can't just print money. Because you print money money but quickly becomes worthless and that's also you know why you know the prices of freddos have increased over the years why you know like i remember when i was younger my dad used to say you know his first wage slip was eight pound 
you know, my dad used to tell me when he was younger that he could have went to the shop for a 10p mix and he would have came home with a bag that was fucking huge. Now a 10p mix would get you probably 10 gummy bars if even that. Like, I think that's the thing as well. Most people, like, wouldn't even pick up 5 or 10p. I know, like, if I go to the Tesco checkout and, you know, I'm maybe one or two peas come out i just leave them they're worthless and the bank of england themselves have actually been talking about doing away with one or two peas and i know people say oh you save them up you need to save 101 peas and even then you still would just you wouldn't be able to buy a coke you know a bottle of coke so like it's just they're completely and utterly worthless whereas you know a few years ago they wouldn't have been like i remember my granny telling me that she bought her house now her house now is probably you know, it's a pretty decent house. It's got a garage. It's got four bedrooms, an upstairs, big garden, driveway and all. Um, it's on the corner too. It's not attached. You'd be looking at a decent amount of money for that now. Back when she bought it, it cost her two grand. Do you know what I mean? But the wages were a lot lower then as well because wages rise with inflation too. And that's also a big, you know, a big thing about inflation is that it is, as I mentioned earlier, wages have to increase too to match it. And that's the thing as well with those hyperinflation crises. People's savings were just wiped out. You know, for example, let's say there was a hyperinflation crisis in the United Kingdom right now. Let's say inflation was so high that overnight, or in a mo- let's say in a month, right, one pound went from being worth a pound to one P, right? So... The price of something that was a pound is now a hundred pound, right? That's how worthless the pound has become. If you had a hundred pound saved in the bank, that hundred pound quickly becomes as valuable as a pound. If you had a million pounds saved in the bank, that quickly becomes as valuable. That, like that in a month goes from being worth a million to being worth 10,000. Another hundred from there, you know what I mean? And that was the biggest problem with those hyperinflation crises is that people's savings were wiped out. And that's what happened in Nazi Germany as well. Or Weimar Germany. So I keep saying Nazi Germany. Weimar Germany. Before the Nazis. 1923. And it led to such a political uprising that it led to the rise of the Nazis. Uh, it was one of the key contributing factors to the rise of the Nazi party and the rise of National Socialism was the hyperinflation crisis. So that's just a, an insight into what inflation is. What causes inflation? Are the two main causes of inflation demand push, or demand pull and cost push? And some of the implications of, you know, ridiculous levels of inflation. I would also add, like, including, you know, the fact that money doesn't grow on trees and it's printing money would make everything ten times worse. Another thing is deflation. So what is deflation? Deflation is the opposite of inflation. It's when the value of the goods and services within a country over a time period, usually a year, fall in value, right? Deflation is bad because deflation usually signals bad economic performance. For example, if we look at the demand pool side of things, let's say the economy starts doing really, really bad. People lose their jobs, and people who have jobs, their wages fall. So people have less money. People spend less. Because people spend less, there's less demand in the economy. People are buying less goods and services from companies. Companies, therefore, 
to try and sell these goods and services reduce their price. By reducing their price, the price of goods and services fall, and that's you know the basic definition of what deflation is. So deflation isn't good either, um, and most governments aim, as I said earlier, between one and three percent of an, one, one between one and three percent of an inflation rate. So yeah, uh, that's all I really have to say. You know, that's why Alfredo increases in price, demand, and supply interacting, cost of production. And as nice as it sounds, you can't just print money. Deflation is also bad, and companies aim for an inflation rate of roughly one and three percent a year. So, you know, next time you go to the shop and you see the Freddo's increase in price, don't lament it. Maybe think of it as a, a sign of a healthy economy. If the price of Freddo started falling, the whole economy might not be in trouble, but it could signal that Cadbury's itself is in trouble. And you might not have any Freddo's left. So it's kind of the thing you have to keep up with. Put up with, should I say. Higher prices, you keep the product. Lower prices probably means you're going to lose the product. So yeah, as always, um, that was shorter this time around because it was only me. And I was just really bored and I just wanted to get that out there. Um, if you enjoy listening to that boring economical shit, I'll make more of them. If not, I'll not bother. Because what's the fucking point? Um, if you don't enjoy it, it's a waste of time. You know, if the demand's not there, the demand's not there, there's no point doing it. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, all the best. <laughs>